Ford has come out with an EV pickup truck that sets the bar for manufacturers. I'll review my test drive with longtime friend Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, who we affectionately call our guru of gears because he's the all-knowing when it comes to cars. We'll also investigate how much stress EVs put on the California electric grid. Tom, welcome back to GreenSense. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Well, let's start out with the review of the Ford uh, F-150 Lightning, then get into the stress uh, charging EVs put on the California electric grid. So I've never been so excited to drive a vehicle. When the Ford F-150 Lightning arrived in my driveway, I was giddy like a schoolboy, and it was my first EV truck to drive. And wow, did it deliver. Uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning came equipped with a Group 511A, uh, which included a number of options, uh, the 20-inch alloy wheels, all-season tires, a tow package, a spray-and-bed liner. Uh, the MSRP base price on this bad boy was 67000 with 11,500 options and a 1,700 destination delivery charge, bringing the price to 80589 Ouch. But <laughs> nice car. And it had a range of about 300 miles when fully charged. So, Tom, tell us a little bit more about the key options, uh, inside, outside, some of the functionality and safety features, because this truck has so many features. It does indeed. We drove different vehicles, you and I, Robert. Um, we drove a Platinum here at Consumer Guide, mechanically about the same vehicle, but much more equipment. The vehicle we drove came to $93,000 with price increases recently applied. Uh, these will apply for 2023. This is now a $100,000 truck, which sounds crazy, and it kind of is, but people are paying that right now. Um, but the things to know here uh, are, are equipped as we drove them, 452 horsepower. Um, and, and it's hard to make this make what that means clear because the horsepower numbers when you talk about electric vehicles sort of understate just how quick the vehicles are because you don't wait for an engine to rev up or build up power. It's immediate. The throttle response is immediate. The passing power is immediate. And it's incredibly smooth. And the Ford F-150 Lightning has one of the slickest, sweetest drivetrains I've ever driven. This vehicle is quick. It, it is incredibly quiet and refined, and it has to make a bit of noise so people outside know it's rolling. Tom, what did you like best about this car? I think I liked the, the thing I like best about the F-150 Lightning is that if you are familiar with the F-150, which is a very good pickup truck, this vehicle is going to seem relatively familiar to you. And it, it, the, the, the controls, the switches, the design, they didn't do a lot to change the vehicle um, externally or, or design-wise. So it's really a good F-150 with a great powertrain. Well, I like the smoothness and comfort. To me, it was like riding a silk flying carpet. The thing was just so smooth. And as you said, lightning quick. It's also a very big, heavy truck, about 8,000 pounds, I think. Is that uh, correct? Somewhere in that range? Yeah, and that's a bit of news we can talk about at some point. Maintenance costs for this vehicle will be lower, but you'll be buying more tires because of yeah. that. <laughs> Well, it's also like riding in a small office. Uh, the center arm console rest folds down into a small desk almost. Uh, there's lots of outlets to power tools or even your home if your uh, power goes out. Uh, the electric engine with the transmission, as you says, gives you immediate torque. 
and this thing flies. Uh, I, I, that's why I think they call it the lightning. I think it's rated zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds. Oh, uh, I think I had 3.8, 3.8, yeah, Motor Trend, uh, Buff Book Motor Trend recorded 3.8 seconds to 60, which is, it's faster than 95% of all Ferraris ever built. <laughs> right. It's so amazing. <laughs> I, when you talk about a truck that heavy going that fast, it's really amazing. And as you mentioned, Ford's been making F-150s for a long time. They know how to make a truck. And now they know how to make an EV truck. And it handles, it feels very comfortable. It feels very safe. And it has tons of features. One of the fun thing about test driving these brand new cars is a lot of people have never seen them before. The Ford F-150 EV looks so much like a Ford F-150. No one ever stopped or even glanced at me. <laughs> I think Ford really went out of their way to make this look a lot like the F-150 and not an electric vehicle. Yeah, Ford has sold its way through a lot of interesting design innovations over the years. They sold customers on v turbocharged V6 engines instead of V8s, aluminum body panels instead of steel body panels, and now electricity instead of gasoline. And I think just to be careful, and just not to go too far over the top, they, they kept the design very simple and understated. And that's probably working for them here. I also like the frunk, uh, the, the front trunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought that gave you nice extra space. Um, I'll tell you, it was uh, just an amazing ride. Is there anything you didn't like about this? Um, really, I'm, I'm most put off by cost. And they've raised the prices since then, unfortunately. Um, but we've heard a lot about over the years how... Uh, lithium-ion batteries have come down in cost consistently year by year by year, but now because of shortages of things like lithium and cobalt, uh, the battery prices are no longer coming down, and Ford is blaming supply chain issues and lithium costs for having to raise the prices of these vehicles, unfortunately. So for 2023, all F-150s are going up by, uh, F-150 Lightnings are going up by 10 to 15 percent. Woo! Yeah. Well, th there's very little I didn't like about the truck. I think Ford knocked it out of the ballpark. I would say that Rivian and Tesla should watch out. The bar for EV pickup trucks has been set. And uh, I think that's a good thing. It's good for consumers because we have a, a very competitive truck there. Like you, the two issues I didn't like was the price at $80,000 and climbing. That's pretty expensive these days. Uh, and the other thing is, can you get one? What's the availability? They have just opened up the order books for 2023, but I don't know what the waiting list is for that. But you can no longer order a 2022. So if you want one, you're going to have to get in line. So maybe a year or two, uh, uh, realistically. I hope it's not that long. I'm thinking if they're ordering 2023s and those they start building those, usually right around now, right, we're in September, uh, six to eight weeks, I'm hoping, but they've been so much longer. And it's hard to say because the supply chain issues keep changing those delivery dates. And Tom, what is the delay now? Is it still chips or is it other things? It is primarily microchips and Ford and like Toyota has seems to have suffered more than other manufacturers in trying to locate and secure these supplies. Well, the other thing I didn't like, but this is not inherent to Ford, it's inherent to all EVs other than Tesla, is that uh, if you don't have a, uh, a, a 220 charger, or a high-speed charger, it's going to take you a lot of time. I have a 110-volt charger. That gets me about three miles per hour of charge at 300 yeah. miles. It was going to take me about 100 hours to charge the thing. 
And uh, my friend had a 220 outlet. So I plugged in the truck one day while watching the football game. I got about 80 miles in three and a half hours, uh, giving me about 20 plus uh, miles per hour per charge. So uh, that just shows you how important it is to have those higher, higher speed chargers. Yeah, it is not practical or reasonable to own this vehicle if you don't have home charging. You can go with commercial charging, but that's so expensive. That's commercial DC fast charging. You can make that work if you live near convenient stations, but you're going to pay much more for electricity. Well, uh, this charging issue is a great way to segue into the question, how much stress does charging EVs put on the electric grid, especially California? So last month, California experienced a record heat wave uh, causing transformers to catch on fire. And in some areas they were blowing up and the electric utility had to have rolling brownouts and blackouts at night to deal with energy supply and demand issues. And some media outlets blame the power outage on EVs uh, stating that they have created an increased demand on the grid. So Tom, let's try to set the record straight and see what you found out. How many EVs are there in California and what kind of demand do they cause on the grid? Yeah, this is a great question. And the math on this is a little bit broad, so it's hard to be precise, but this is what we know. California uses about, consumes about 260 terawatts of energy a year. That's a lot of electricity. Yeah, I don't, what's a terawatt? <laughs> uh, it's a billion watts. Whoa. Yeah, so it's a bunch of energy. Uh, there are currently, California has the most EVs of any state in the union. I don't think that'll surprise anyone. And there's about 600,000 registered EVs in California. If they each drive about 12,000 miles a year, they should each consume about 3.8 megawatt hours of energy a year. So if you do the math on that, 600,000 EVs, about 3.8 megawatt hours of energy, you're at 2.28 terawatt hours. Now that's a very rough number. But that works out to be slightly less than 1% of all the energy consumed in California last year. So we're looking at 1%. And then uh, an interesting point that you brought to my attention off air, uh, Robert, was that most of these were probably not charging during peak hours. Uh, according to a couple of different uh, sources, 80% of EVs, this isn't California, but nationally, are charged off peak. So the odds of electric vehicles actually having contributed to those brownouts very low. They contributed almost nothing to those brownouts because they're being charged at night anyway. And there's just not that many of them yet. Well, Tom, you have to take more than your uh, shoes off to do that math because we're dealing with some pretty big numbers there and counting on your fingers and toes just won't do it. So maybe that's why a lot of the media got that wrong. But uh, I appreciate you really digging into those numbers. Um, uh, any thoughts on the grid and its resiliency as we look at Western states and other states, especially now with a lot of these uh, hydroelectric uh, power facilities being down and uh, you know under assault on power production. Yeah, I recently heard an interview with the CEO of the, and I cannot remember the name of the utility, but the utility that provides uh, electricity for Southern Wisconsin and Milwaukee. And, and they claim to be basically where they need to be to supply power once electric vehicles are online. They're making slow upgrades every year, but they're not worried about it. So it's utilities that are dragging their feet on this that are part of the problem. But the issue in California too is heat waves right now that no one expected are taxing the, the grid more than before. And EVs are such an easy target because people want to blame them for things. So, and it's just such an easy group of people that you can point out and say, hey, don't do that for a while. 
but they're not telling people to not use their air conditioning, for example, or to buy smaller TV sets. So uh, I'm not sure there's, there's an equitable, equitable distribution of blame here. Tom, what are your thoughts as far as uh, how many EVs are going to ramp up in future years and what's that going to do to demand on the grid? Well, the demand's going to go up a lot once EVs kick in and hopefully those utilities are going to do a nice job of convincing people to charge in the evening so that there really isn't a, uh, a grid issue. But some people are going to need to charge during the days and some commercial operations will need to charge during the day. So infrastructure upgrades are going to be necessary. Um, and, and hopefully most utilities, like the one we talked about in Wisconsin, uh, are ready for this. I don't know they wouldn't be, but part of the issue too is that utilities are quasi-governmental and often can't act of their own accord. So they tend to be a little bit slower in responding to, to different um, situations than perhaps a privately owned or, or public company. Tom, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and you truly are the guru of gears because it goes way beyond cars, but but all things uh, uh, vehicle related. So thank you for joining us on Green Sense and we'll talk soon. The pleasure was mine. Thanks. That's Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, sharing his review on the Ford F-150 and providing the facts on what stress charging and EVs have on the California electric grid. Green Sense is an independent radio show that relies on support from sponsors and patrons like you so that we can produce high quality audio broadcasts that promote innovators with sustainable solutions. Visit the greensensefarms.com website to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo and thank you for listening to Green Sense and catch the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 WBBM Chicago.